We are now in week three of Behind Enemy Lines. How many have enjoyed the series and gotten something out of it? I, I kind of say enjoy tongue-in-cheek because I, I, how do you enjoy talking about this? I, I don't really enjoy it necessarily, but it is so necessary. It is so needed that we understand the situation, and, and I'm going to review again just briefly so that because these things link together. And our first week was all about creating awareness, all about creating awareness of our Christian existence. And, I, and I, I did my best, and my goal was to prove to you through the Word, not my opinion, but through the Word of God, that we are in fact living our lives behind enemy lines. And I made this statement that for the time being, planet Earth is under Satan's influence. This is his turf. Now, influence, not ownership, because God still owns it all. But, and I quoted it in my prayer this morning. What we lost in the Garden of Eden because of sin, we had been given the authority over the, to rule over the earth. What we compromised and what we lost in the garden because of sin, Jesus won back on the cross of Calvary so that now we can take authority over the enemy in the name and through the blood of Jesus. And then last week was all about spiritual, 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 spiritual reconnaissance, understanding our enemy. And we learned about Satan's rebellion. We learned about uh, his expulsion from heaven. Uh, I quoted Hosea, and he, the, the prophet said, My people are destroyed because of what? Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. We also learned some of his names. And the reason we studied his names is because it gives us a clue as to his mission. We talked about the fact that he is our adversary. He is the enemy. He is our accuser. And then he is the deceiver of the nations. Today is all about the war. The war. In World War II, there were numerous theaters of battle, but it was one war. We had the, the European theater of battle against Germany. Then we had the South Pacific theater of battle against Japan. Let me get testing your history a little bit. And then we also, there were other theaters of battle in northern Africa and in the Mediterranean region. The point is there were many theaters of battle, but it was one war. And in spiritual warfare, it is similar in that it is one war, but we fight on three different battlefronts. Number one, the flesh. That's the first theater of battle that we fight is who you look at in the mirror every single day, the flesh. And again, lots of notes today, lots of, lots of scripture today, the flesh. Now, what I want you to know quickly about that is that is an indirect, that has indirect satanic influence, not direct, indirect demonic influence, okay? We're going to spend our entire sermon today on this one topic, this one theater of battle. Number two, Second battlefront is the world. The world. I'm not going to spend much time with this at all because if we get the number one right, we can take care of, it takes care of number two. Okay, the world. That's also indirect satanic influence. 
Number the third area that we're going to hit next week is direct demonic attack. It's real. It's real. Direct demonic attack. And we're going to spend, like I said, next week talking. You don't want to miss next week. We're going to, we're going to unpack the armor of God. And we're going to talk about the one weapon that God gives us to engage and defeat the enemy. So you don't want to miss that next week. So let's talk about the first theater of battle that we face as believers, and that is the flesh. Look at the screen. The flesh, we fight on this battlefront every single day. Can I get an amen? We fight on this battlefront every single day. And in my opinion, this is the hardest. This is the hardest battle that we face as believers. That's my opinion. And here's also my opinion. I'm quick to tell you that because I don't have scripture to go with it. But I, be- I don't believe we face demons every single day. Got one, one thought on that. I don't believe that we fight demons. I don't think there's enough to go around. Now, I do believe that we get targeted when we're doing something for the Lord and that we're, you know, we're rattling the cage and we're doing, I believe we get targeted and attacked. We're going to talk about that next week, but I don't, I, don't, I don't see a demon behind every bush. I mean, come on, you know, sometimes you just get a flat tire because there was a nail. Don't get super spiritual, Okay. Sometimes you get a cold because you got too close to somebody else and they sneezed on you. It's biology. (laughs) Thank you. I don't think that we necessarily battle demons every single day, but we do battle the flesh every single day. Paul says in Romans 8, 6, the mind governed or ruled by the what? The flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile or opposed to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Those who have given themselves over to the flesh those who are not battling, those who are not struggling, those who are not fighting this fight and have just are walking in the flesh and giving over to the flesh cannot please God. How many want to please God? How many, I'm talking about Christians. How many want to please God? You cannot do it walking in the flesh. So according to the word of God, what specifically are we talking about? Jesus gives us the answer In Mark chapter 7, verse 21, he says, For from within, everybody say within, out of a person's heart, the flesh, look at me, not the devil, from within, out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, Not just lustful actions, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. I love that one. And foolishness. Don't be foolish. Foolishness. Sorry. Verse 23, he says, all these vile things come from where? Within. Look at me. The devil didn't make you do it. 
Thank you. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you, not the devil. Paul says, Galatians 5, 19, the acts of what? The flesh, there's our word again, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred. All right, time out. You might say, Pastor Allen, all right, I, I have my own struggles, but I don't struggle with hatred. If you have problems with forgiveness, you struggle with hatred. If you have a struggle forgiving someone, even if they are guilty, then you have a struggle with hatred. Discord. What's discord? Division. Let me put it just in my version. Drama. Yes. Jealousy. Uh-oh. Fits of rage or temper. How do y'all do on 285? That's the test. That's the litmus test right there. Come on. Selfish, selfish ambition. Dissensions. Factions and envy. Drunkenness. Orgies and the like. Folks, look at me. There's nothing new under the sun. What's happening now was happening 2,000 years ago when this was written. It's, all, it's in our face now a whole lot more because of the media and social media and Hollywood glorifying it. But it, it's nothing new. Nothing new at all. And Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, everybody say that, live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm about to say something really hard, really tough. I don't care what's coming out of your mouth. I don't care what you say about Jesus. If there is no evidence of the fruit of the Spirit at all in your life, but on the contrary, there is evidence only of you living in the flesh. You will not. What did it just say? Is that Pastor Allen's opinion? You will not inherit the kingdom of God. I would much rather tell you the truth in love today than you stand before God and say, I had no idea. I always said that I love Jesus. I always heard, as long as you love Jesus. I'm sorry, that was really bad. That was mean. If you live like this, you will not inherit the kingdom. The point is, listen, listen, listen. We are not forced to do any of those things. The devil did not make any of us do anything. Look at the screen. The potential for all of this sin is already in us because we are fallen people. The potential for every one of those sins that Jesus listed and that Paul listed of the flesh are already in us because we are fallen people. We are born into sin. We inherited a sin nature from Adam. I'll prove it to you. Parents, do you have to teach your children 
to be bad, to misbehave. No, they, they, they get that real natural, don't they? <laughs> because they are just like you, born into sin. They are born with a sin nature. The opposite is true. You have to teach them and instruct them how to behave, not misbehave. And I wish you would do so. Sorry. That, 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 that just slipped in there. It wasn't in my notes. Look, 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 all of, us struggle, all of us struggle with something on this list or more than one thing. All of us, all of us, it is a daily battle of the flesh. That's what we're talking about today. The Apostle Paul gives a famous account of this struggle, and I'm so glad it's in the Bible. You, you, those of you who study the Bible, you know exactly where I'm going with this, and I'm so thankful I'm so thankful it's in there because this is the Paul the Apostle. This is the guy who wrote half of the New Testament. And listen to what he says in Romans 7, 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. Anybody feel? But what I hate, that's what I do. It's a battle. It's a struggle. Can you feel the tension? Verse 21, so I find this law at work, he says, although I want to do good, evil, he's not talking about the devil here, he's talking about the flesh, evil is right there with me. I love this little saying, it came to me, I wrote it in my notes, wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) You can't escape from yourself. You've got to deal with Yourself. He said, although I want to do good, evil, this flesh, is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. How many love Jesus in this room? Raise your hand. How many love God? He's saying, look, that's not the issue. I love the Lord. I love the word of God. That is not the issue. But I see another law at work within me, waging war. That's what we're talking about against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner. That's military. That's militant. A prisoner of the law of sin at work where? Within me. What a wretched man or woman I am. I won't get you to raise your hand, but how many have ever felt that way? Who will rescue me? from this body, this flesh that is subject to death. Do you know the literal Greek translation of that line is, who will rescue me from this rotting corpse tied to my body? Who will rescue me from this rotting corpse that is tied to... Now, he's not just making that up. That was an actual punishment. In that period of time, somebody who was sentenced to death, they would tie a rotting corpse to them and the decomposing body would then cause uh, disease to come to that other person and they would eventually die. What a picture. He's saying, who will rescue me 
from this rotting corpse. And then we get verse 25. I'm so thankful for verse 25. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at the next slide. There is no victory over the flesh apart from Jesus Christ. There is no victory. There is no victory. There is no victory from the flesh or over the flesh apart from Jesus. Look, we may have success here and there. Everybody's turned over a new leaf, right? Never going to do that again. Never going to try. I'm never going to go there again. Never going to watch that again. And you may have success for a few days. Maybe a couple of weeks. But if you are not and we are not leaning on Christ, if, we are, if our faith is not in him, if we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify us from within and change us from the inside out, the victories are going to be fleeting. They will not last and we will be frustrated Christians every day. And you know what happens? Listen to what happens. Galatians 5, 17. Paul says, The sinful nature, the flesh, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free. Somebody say free. So that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. When we are constantly distracted with, oh, I tried it, but I messed up, and this, this, all this fighting and distraction, it keeps us from our purpose in Jesus Christ. It keeps us on the sidelines instead of in the game. It keeps us from what we've been called to do. Now, all of this that I've been preaching about is without the devil. If we take Satan out of the picture, we still have this war raging inside of us between the flesh and the spirit. Okay, everybody with me so far? Everybody take a breath. We're we're halfway done or more. But here's what I want you to hear. Here's the dark truth in this. There is a place where the flesh and the demonic collide. There is a place where the flesh and the demonic collide. Ephesians 4, Paul says in verse 22, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, that's the flesh, which was being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, led by the Holy Spirit, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Then in verse 27, listen to this, he says, And do not give, everybody say give. Do not give the devil a foothold or access. Look at the screen. Sins of the flesh can open the door to demonic influence. Sins of the flesh can open the door to demonic influence. What begins in the flesh can quickly escalate into spiritual bondage. Men, 
what began with just watching what you thought was an innocent screen in something just for one night that you shouldn't have been watching. Some woman opened the door. And then it became a whole lot more serious because it became demonic and it became spiritual bondage. Let me say it this way to be clear. Got to be clear. Sins of the flesh give demons the right to access and manipulate your life. It's legal. It's, 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 like you, it's like you opened the door to a burglar and just said, hey, come on in. Just check out what I got. I got a flat screen in the other room. Don't miss that. Just check that out. Um, I got a Mac computer in my office. Just go, go, go check that out. And I'm, you know, I tell you what, I'll just go eat. You just, you just stay here. I trust you. That's what we're doing. We're opening the door and giving access to the enemy with these sins of the flesh. And listen, once we do that, once we open the door and once we give that ground, they will exploit our weaknesses. Why? Because they know what they are now. We have opened the door to our life and they have seen what, stum- what causes us to stumble. It's, they're doing their own reconnaissance. And we're letting them I'm sorry, I know this is hard. But I'm tired of seeing this happen. I'm tired of seeing families torn apart. I'm tired of seeing people that I love and care about open their life to the enemy and not really know what happened and not know why. And they do this for one reason. To destroy your testimony. I'm talking about Christians, folks. I'm not talking about people in the world. Why would the devil waste time on them? They do it to destroy your testimony. Why? We said it last week. We said it this morning. Because we are overcomers through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And if they can destroy that, we feel like we're discredited. We feel like we can never be used again. We're beat down. We can't be used. We're on the the bench instead of in the game. And that's where Satan wants us. If he can't have our soul, he wants our testimony. If he can't have our soul, then he wants us out of the game. So how do we keep this from happening? Anybody interested? Are you interested for your husband and your wife? Are you interested to know this for your children so that you can be aware and teach them for yourself? Number one, we have to be honest. We have to be honest. Somewhere on that list that Jesus gave in Mark chapter 7 and Paul gives in Galatians 5, somewhere on that list of fleshly sins, we find ourselves, don't we? The way we like to operate is, well, I'm not a murderer. We skip over the ones that do apply to us. Well, well I'm, you know, I haven't committed adultery. All of us find ourselves somewhere, maybe more than one place, on that list. And we have to start with just being honest about it. 
And then we confess those weaknesses and those, those things, not to the devil, not to, to the Lord. And listen, this is important. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, you need to get that under the blood. Let me say it again. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, you may be sitting here thinking, Pastor, I have prayed that prayer over and over and over again, and I, and I, I can't seem to get victory over it, and I'm just embarrassed. I can't even go back into the throne room about that one more time. There's no way. He's going to, like, kick me out. There's no, do you know who's telling you that? The enemy. Because what did we learn last week? My God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit draws you to God and the accusation of the devil pushes you away from God. So if you're hearing a voice that says, don't confess it, you've done it one too many times, you're embarrassed of that, that's not God. That's the devil and you need to come against that and say, I know, I know I'm a failure, I know I'm a sinner, but I know Jesus still loves me and he will forgive me if I confess my sin. He will... Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 and 9. Quote scripture at him. That's what Jesus did. The problem is you've got to know scripture. <laughs> Y'all have a great day. I'll... That's another series, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, it's right here. And then... Under being honest, find someone who you can trust that's maybe farther along in their faith than you, more mature than you. And do what James tells us in 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed, so that you can be delivered so that you can become free. When we confess and get it out there, that sin becomes less powerful. Now, men, use your head. This is not seeking some other woman to get with and say, she's a spiritual woman, so I'm going to get, come on. That's another series. That's common sense. Men, find a, a man of God. Women, woman, 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 find a woman of God that you respect and that you can trust. Number two, we have to die. We have to die. I want you to get this next statement. I want you to take a picture of it. I want you to write it on your heart. We are not seeking rehabilitation. Put that next slide up, please. We are not seeking rehabilitation. We are seeking resurrection. And for there to be a resurrection, there must be a death. It sank into about five of you. Let me, let me do it again. We are not seeking rehabilitation. We're seeking resurrection. And if there is to be a resurrection, there must be a death to take place. I thought I was going to have to come sit down and clap for myself. But. Rehabilitation is an attempt to change behavior, not who you are. Why doesn't that work long term? Because sin has made us rotten to the core. 
And while you're through rehabilitation, your behavior may change some on the outside. That core is still there. And eventually, it's going to come out again. I was in a conference, not this past week, but the week before, pastor's conference. And one of the evening services, this, this, this preacher, this, this pastor Man, he was just ministering. It was really ministering to me. Just an awesome word. I'm going to use it. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to, he, he was preaching about asking. Don't be afraid to ask. I'm asking. That's what the name of the, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. It's, it's so powerful. So after the service, there was a lead pastor dinner that I was invited to. So I went, and there were a lot of tables in the room, a big room. And I went and just sat down. I was there alone. And lo and behold, that speaker sat down right next to me. And he administered to me, so I was hoping I would have a chance to somehow minister to him. Well, it, he started talking in, among us, and it came out that his son, 22 years old, was in his fourth round of rehab for drugs and alcohol. Fourth round. And just like any of us, he was praying that he would stick this time and that he would be better and be delivered. And then I was able... Many of you have heard my story about it. my son who went through hell and did everything under the sun and ran from God as hard as he could in his teenage years, gave up a baseball career because of drugs, got kicked out of school because of, of drugs. I mean, it was just terrible. But God miraculously, miraculously resurrected his life from the dead. From the dead. Chuck was dead in his sin. Chuck was dead in his life. But God resurrected him. And today he has a wonderful Christian wife and families and involved in using his talents and gifts for the Lord. And I was able to turn. My God, I was able to turn to that speaker and that preacher and give him hope and give him something to hold on to and tell him, listen, my God is able to deliver your son and to make him free because I have seen it. I have seen it. I have watched it happen with my own son. Listen, I tell this all the time. If, if I was at a funeral and somebody got up out of the casket, it would not be any bigger of a miracle than what happened with my son. God is able to raise the dead. And that's what he wants to do with you and your children and your family. My God, I feel him. Hallelujah. God isn't interested in rehabilitating our sinful nature. God wants to resurrect us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I got to hurry. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And listen, listen to what he says. And the life I now live in the flesh. He's not saying I'm going to be on a cloud somewhere for the rest of my life. He's saying, look, I know I have to live this life in the flesh. You have to live your life in the flesh. I have to live my life in the flesh. But he's saying, I'm going to do it from now on by faith, walking in faith and letting Jesus live his resurrected life through me. Let me give you one more. Galatians 5.24 says, those who belong to Christ's ownership, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay, time out. For one reason, i got to get my breath. 
Somebody tell Pastor Allen, you got to get in shape to preach like that. <laughs> Dear Lord. <laughs> All right. Crucify the flesh. Sounds like a slasher movie. It sounds like, I mean, wait, 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 wait. I know you're like, ooh. Think about if you were sitting here and you had never been in church before. And I said, crucify your flesh. I think I'll just love the church. Worship was great. Preacher's crazy. I'm... Crucify the flesh. What does that mean? What does that look like? Listen, this may be one of the most important things that I say to you. Listen. Our flesh is living. And the fleshly desires and sins in us are also alive. So how does any living thing continue to live and grow? How do you make your kids grow? You feed them. You feed them. Our flesh, our old, you got to, I know, uh, listen, <laughs> I want you so badly to get this. Our old nature, our flesh has an appetite. It has cravings, just like you have a craving for ice cream, just like right now I have a craving for a juicy ribeye steak and a baked potato with butter and sour cream. My God, I'm preaching. Just a couple more minutes. That's right. Now listen, listen. Our flesh has an appetite. It has cravings. So when we give into those cravings and we feed those things, they grow. They increase. They become stronger. Look at the screen. Whatever we feed gets stronger. Whatever we starve gets weaker. Whatever we feed gets stronger. Whatever we starve gets weaker. It's like a diet. Oh, God, he diets. First few days are the hardest, aren't they? Why? Because your body is used to that ice cream cone. Because your body is used to the cheeseburger and fries. Your body is craving those things because you have been giving them and giving them all the time and they're used to having and they may want them because they taste better than the salad. Come on. I have a friend, I had a friend that became a vegetarian. Don't know why. Sorry if you're a vegetarian. You know, he told Peter, get up and kill and eat. It's all that listen he became a vegetarian and, and you know uh, he was having a hard time of course six months later I got I found saw him and I thought you know for sure he'd given up he said no no I stuck I stuck with it and I said how's it going he said can we be honest I said absolutely he said the very thought of red meat makes my stomach turn getting it Transferring it over, the spirit. What you, oh. what you think 
is impossible. What you think, there is no way I can give that up. There is no way. But with Christ, as you begin to starve that thing, as you begin to have victories over that thing, and and listen, you might have a, whoa, you might stumble. You got to get back up. Come on. You're in the fight for your life. Are you going to lay down? Are you going to get up and fight again? Dust yourself off. Get it under the blood. Keep moving forward. And day by day by day. Oh, took two steps back. That's all right. I'm going forward. I'm for one step back. No, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And soon, the very thing that you thought was impossible turns your stomach. Turns your stomach. And you can't even imagine doing it again. You have successfully starved that thing to death. But that's not enough. That's only half the battle. Look at the screen. Next. As we starve the flesh, we also need to feed our spirit. What we starve gets weaker. What we feed gets stronger. Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's not enough to just say no to the flesh. We have to say yes to the Holy Spirit. We need to feed our soul with things like worship. You're on 285. And you feel that, mm, that flesh, change the atmosphere. Change the atmosphere in your vehicle. You're at home, something happens to turn everything, and, and you feel that temper, you feel whatever. Change the atmosphere. Man, you feel tempted with pornography? You better get radical. You've got to get radical. You've got to set parameters on these things. Just turned it off. <laughs> that temptation's at our fingertips, men. You've got to get radical with that thing. You've got to set guardrails. It's not enough to just say no. We have to feed ourselves, change the atmosphere. We've got to have what I just said, quiet time in prayer with God every day. We've got to fill those moments with the Holy Spirit. We've got to fill that time with the presence of the Lord. It's not enough to just starve the flesh. We have to feed our spirit on a daily basis. On a daily basis. If all you're getting is right here. Come on. If all you're getting is right here, you are going to struggle. I'm glad you're here. And this is good. But if this is all you're getting of God and his presence and his word, you're going to struggle. Every day we've got to make that time and guard that time with him. And you know, one, one more thing that we can feed our spirit with is by using the gifts and the talents he's given us for his kingdom. Why, does, why is that so important? Because it says that brings the joy. Using our gifts brings joy to our lives. And the joy of the Lord is our strength and it will help us in this fight. I'm closing. Here's the big idea. 
Our most common battle is not against the devil. It's against our flesh. Now get this part right here. Victory and freedom do not only come from the absence of sin, but also through the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not just about not sinning, but it's about filling that void with the power of the Holy Spirit.